Welcome, welcome to Mayflower Church on this post-Advent Sunday. We're still basking in the radiant glow of Christmas with gratitude for the three services we had on Friday and all those who chose to worship with us in person and via live stream. Before we enter into this time of worship this morning, we would love for you to find that friendship register, if you can, on the aisle and pass it along. Those of you joining us via live stream, there's an e-register as well, so fill that in, please. If you have a prayer need this morning, please feel free to fill out the prayer card. There should be one in the pew rack in front of you. If you would like prayer this morning in our congregational prayer, or you'd like to be added to our weekly prayer list, please indicate that on the card. And the ushers will be collecting those during our middle hymn. So please know that after the service, if you would like personal prayer, I will be available up front for you as well. So for our call to worship this morning, we're going to use the words of prayer from John Philip Newell. May the angels of light glisten for us this day. May the sparks of God's beauty dance in the eyes of those we love. May the universe be on fire with presence for us this day. May the new sun's rising grace us with gratitude. Let the earth's greenness shine and its waters breathe with spirit. Let heaven's winds stir the soil of our soul and fresh awakenings rise within us. May the mighty angels of light glisten in all things this day. May they summon us to reverence. May they call us to life. Amen.
Let us pray together. Holy God, we come now to worship Christ, the newborn King. May we be like the saints we just sang of, who bend at your altar with hope. You have descended to earth. You have embodied the flesh of human form and now dwell among us. May we be people of hope because we know your birth changes everything. Grant us a glimpse of how we can be embodied versions of you in this world. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. A reading from Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. Thank you. 
So a reading from author, artist, and minister Jan Richardson, How the Light Comes. I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us, that it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten or in peril or in pain, that it has a fondness for the body, for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but it, that it does, that it will, that it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you, Though it may seem long ages in coming, or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so may we this day turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. Amen. The scriptures this morning comes from Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. It's on page 725 in your pew Bible, if you would like to follow on. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, 
Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy One, open our ears that we may hear, our minds that we may think and critically analyze our hearts that we may care, and our hands so that when we leave this place, we leave in service. Amen. Well, it's good to be back here after six months. Um, I feel like I'm home again, and I'm really glad I have my partner in ministry, Ruth, who has a bulletin because I forgot mine. (laughs) I knew I was supposed to stand up here now. We are people of stories. We tell stories all the time. Stories convey things to us. We go see plays based on stories. We tell stories. We go see movies based on stories. Sometimes we have stories in the story. And stories convey meaning. Before we started writing, we told stories. We told them around campfires. We told them as we walked. We told them everywhere we went. And the stories changed a bit as we told them because that's the nature of oral tradition. 
But when we started writing stories down, the stories became solid. And when we call a story sacred, many times we think nothing in the story changes. And the story can only have one meaning. Is that correct? Only one meaning. Only one way. When we think about a story, we end up with a couple of problems. One, stories are made up of words. That's 30 years of being, 36 years of being a professor, and I can come up with that. Stories are made of words, but words as a manual concept are nothing but abstractions. Words are symbolic. Words convey a meaning, but we're not quite sure what the reader or the listener hears when we use the word. The second issue with the story is it's defined by the late physicist, physicist Richard Feynman. And that is we have to have a frame of reference to understand the story. Feynman said that's why it's so difficult for people to imagine quantum physics because everything breaks down once you get to the quantum level. Everything you thought was true is no longer true. One of my colleagues used to tell her students when she taught quantum math, forget everything you knew about math because it doesn't apply here. We need a frame of reference. Now think about Luke who is writing today's story. He had no idea that 2,000 years later, in a language that wasn't even in use, people would be telling a story that he wrote. He had no idea, having seen Roman roads, that there would be places on earth where there would be networks of roads. Where horseless chariots would zoom along at multiple times the speed of a horse. Where the entire Mediterranean could be traveled in two hours. Or the world could be circumvented in a dozen or so hours. No idea. And yet we still tell the story. And we look at a story and realize with symbolic words and without the frame of reference, we still find meaning in the story. Let's take a look at the story that we just heard and see what it can mean to us today. Well, we'll start out with Luke. First of all, we don't know who Luke was. We don't even know if a person named Luke 
wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Names were assigned a hundred years later. Many scholars believe that Luke was a Gentile, a Greek physician, and that he accompanied Paul. I like to believe that. I can't say it with 100% assurity, but with the scholars that I have studied, I like to think of Luke as the good doctor. Luke is also deeply influenced by the Hebrew Bible, especially the book of Samuel. If you read 1 Samuel and then read the first two chapters of Luke, you will see a very close resemblance to the birth of Samuel and the birth of Jesus. A miracle baby to Hannah and a miracle baby to Mary. If you take that into context with what Luke is doing, Luke tells an Old Testament story. Hannah will break out in a beautiful poem as she finds out she is going to give birth to Samuel. Mary will break out in a poem, a poem which Ruth so courageously went through last Sunday, a poem that is frightening like the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Mary says, the rich have been sent away empty and the poor have been welcomed. Scary stuff. And as Luke follows that, Luke tells the story of a miraculous birth. And we come to today's story, which is told Old Testament style, where Jesus is presented in the temple. Like the Old Testament storytellers, the first part of this pericope, the story within the story, the first part of the pericope sets the scene, just like David and Goliath. We have the Philistines on one hill, the Israelites on another hill, and a valley in between them. In Luke's story, we have the holy temple, the place where heaven and earth are joined together, the place where people encounter God, the place where the same spirit that consumed Jesus, the place where the same spirit dwells in us, as Jesus said, the place where God is made manifest. You don't have to know the rest of the story to know that something holy is going to happen in the story. Enter the first character, Simeon. Simeon is heir and possessed by the Holy Spirit. And that's Luke. 
everywhere you go in Luke and in Acts, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that inspires Luke. The same Spirit that consumes us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Simeon, caught up in this spirit, knows that he is not going to leave this life until he sees the Savior of Israel. And lo and behold, in come almost secondary characters, Joseph and Mary carrying a baby. Simeon realizes this is it. This is what has been promised. This is what I can see. And the neat thing is, Simeon doesn't even know the full power of what he's seeing. He makes a prophecy and rejoices. And then Luke does something that a lot of the Old Testament storytellers don't do. He includes a woman. Because salvation is not just for that temple. God didn't suddenly start loving people when Jesus was born. God loved creation from the beginning. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said, it is good. A God so powerful that, can, that all creation cannot contain the concept of ultimate reality. The concept of God. God is for everyone because a woman is the next person who realizes the specialness of this baby. If you think back to the story, uh, again in the book of Samuel, of Bathsheba and David, you get a sense of where Old Testament storytellers are going, and the radical nature of Luke's, Luke's gospel. Now we know that Bathsheba is taking a bath on the top of a roof, and David looks down and sees her, finds out she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and the story goes on and on, and David has uh, Joab, the commander of the army, making sure that Uriah dies in battle. And while that story consumes more than a chapter, Bathsheba gets two words. I am, three words, I am pregnant. Or a wooden translation of the Hebrew, pregnant I am. That's it. The rest of the story is about men. Not with Luke. Salvation is for everyone. 
Anna sees the baby. Anna has the same spirit that Simeon had. The same spirit that is active this morning at Mayflower Church and hundreds of thousands of other churches throughout the world. The same spirit that created Christmas. Anna looks at the baby and realizes this baby is salvation. We get that from a story. And what do we call that? It's the baby. It is compassion. It is the Prince of Peace. It is wonderful, counselor, ultimate reality incarnate. It is Jesus. And it's so powerful when the story comes to an end, we don't know what to say. How do we respond to this baby that is going to transform the world? I guess we summarize it today with two words. Merry Christmas in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
whether you give in person, online, or via text, your year-end generosity to this place is deeply profound and greatly appreciated. Thank you. The ushers will now come forward for this morning's offering.
Lord, in this era of dwindling church attendance and giving, we often question our future. Thank you that you do not question the future, but you enable us to be faithful today. So may we use what you have given us to bring you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We acknowledge that for so many, the holidays entail gatherings of great joy, reunions, and special spiritual experiences. Yet for others, these days are long and painful. Remembrances of what has been lost, what is broken, and what feels impossible. So let us hold these two realities with tenderness as we go to prayer this morning. Holy One, we come first and foremost to you with deep gratitude. Gratitude for Jesus, for the Christmas celebrations of the Christ child, for the recounting of ways in which this miracle explodes for each of us. Thank you for this church and the ways in which you have carried us through these days, months, and years of uncertainty with tremendous provision and joy. We lift up those in our community who are experiencing great joy in this season, and we thank you for this. We also lay before you our deepest needs and desires. We pray this morning for Steve and Janet Armfield and their family, specifically for their granddaughter Madeline, who is 13 and will be undergoing brain surgery on January 5th. We pray for healing. We pray for the surgeons. We pray for all of her recovery. Lord, be with them. And we pray this morning for all those who are carrying heavy loads, loads of grief, loads of doubt. Lord, meet them in this tender place and reveal yourself anew. Lord, we thank you for the words we heard earlier from Jan Richardson, that the light comes, that you come to bless us and demonstrate that your love permeates absolutely everything. May we feel this in our bones. And now let us hear these words again from Jan in prayer. Lord, we cannot tell you how the light comes. What we know is that it is more ancient than even imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us, That it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten or in peril or in pain. That this light has a fondness for the body, for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, and the heart. We cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will that it works its way into the deepest dark that unfolds us. Though it may seem long ages in coming or arrive in a shape we did not foresee. And so may we this day turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. 
This blessed light is the same light that sat with the disciples so long ago, teaching them to pray. May we join our voices in this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Last week, when we recognized Steve's ordination, we sang the hymn, I Love to Tell the Story. The story's been told for centuries. We're called to retell that story, to reinterpret that story, and to expand that story, to give it meaning in our time. And that story can be summed in one word. Compassion. 
So go from this place filled with the Holy Spirit in compassion and continue worshiping and celebrating as you live your life. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for a wonderful tune. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, it was good to be here.